You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. We got a bonus day in February. We might as well use it. We're going to wrap up a busy month on the recruiting trail with Tyler Calvaruso. A little bit later, our resident recruiting insider will talk through the latest recruiting updates that are impacting Penn State. We're about to see another visitation period open. Spring practices are always a popular destination for recruits in the region, beyond the region. We got a lot to get to with Tyler Calvaruso, more official visits being scheduled, some in-state standouts making some moves as well, including quarterback. Uh, so we'll talk about that with Tyler Calvaruso momentarily. But first, we're going to talk to Daniel Gallon, colleague at Lions 24-7. We welcome him back onto the podcast now because Penn State – Wrapping up their winter workouts, it's a pretty arduous slate of winter workouts, eight total over the course of four weeks. Big stepping stone for a program as they try to develop culture and physically prepare themselves for another season in 2024. We'll talk about what it means, some of the top performers with Daniel, and a little bit later we'll shift focus over to the defensive side of the football. I think at some point earlier this month, we broke down the offensive depth chart and how that was sort of shaping up. We're going to look through the lens of the defensive side of the football with Daniel in just a moment. But Daniel, welcome back on board. Uh, we got a bunch to get to. Yeah, looking forward to it. I, I want to put it out there. I'll mention this again at the end of the show, but we are going on spring break as Penn State is going on spring break. Uh, it's the end of winter workouts this week. We're going to be in uh, the Lash building for a, a final max day uh, for a weightlifting session today on a Thursday, late afternoon, early evening. Look for a bunch of coverage over at lines247.com. But I'm heading right to Pittsburgh to the airport after that. And uh, me and my wife and kid, we're going somewhere warm for a little while. I know Daniel's got some travel plans over spring break as well. We'll regroup here on the podcast coming out of spring break. So that second full week of March, and we're going to have a lot to get to because that is when uh, Penn State is opening up spring practices. So we have a lot of topical conversation, a lot of fresh conversation as we're going to get eyes on that team on the field that week we anticipate. And plus Penn State's pro day is coming to town right now out there in Indianapolis, 10 Nittany Lions uh, trying to impress NFL scouts. We talked about that the last episode of the podcast. Uh, the NFL scouts will be coming here this time. So that's all going to be happening when we come come back from vacation. But, Daniel, you and I have some batteries to recharge. And let's face it, so do these Penn State players. This is no joke what they go through on the field for those uh, you know, 5 a.m.-ish workouts uh, in, in Haluba Hall. And we're going to go through some of the top performers. But let's begin with kind of what this means. And I think it's important to lay out the case for 
what these eight periods can do for a team's culture, especially when you are cyclical in college football, you're going to lose a lot of leadership material. You're going to lose a lot of team captains on an annual basis. And this is a bit of a proving ground for some of those new voices in the locker room. Yeah, I, I think uh, Landon Tangwall kind of summarized things best when, when he was on last week about you know, what this is like and, and what this means and and what this shows. But I I think you, you hear the guys talk about it where this is where you, I think, lay the foundation uh, for what comes later this year. I mean, this is when guys are, uh, you know, in, in the fourth quarter of, of a game in October. Uh, this is kind of what you draw back on, the, you know, going through these workouts, uh, which – you know, I I think Jameel Lyons was telling us about how the the first time that he did one because he was a summer enrollee last year, so this is his first uh, winter that he puked uh, after his first one. Uh, you know, Tony Rojas talked about that. You know, it's something where you know it's not a bad thing when you puke, and <laughs> that you know they all kind of uh, you know know how hard they're pushing themselves. But this is where you build a foundation. This is where you build a base, and and with that, you see leaders emerge. You see guys start to maybe put things together for the future. And I think this is what you want to you know, springboard off of into spring ball when it starts in a couple of weeks. Now, time has passed and, and we're talking about uh, going on 15 plus years ago now, but I had a pretty good window for a few years with, with a division one program with what these winter workouts look like. And, there's a lot that is not unique to Penn State. The, the super early mornings, you're not going to show up at like 4.50 or 4.45 a.m. to your indoor practice facility for these things. And the psychological warfare that the staff likes to wage on its players at this time of the year, who grew up a little bit? Who still has more maturing to do? Uh, you know, who, who, who needs to get a little bit thicker skin and who needs to just get better physically? You learn a lot of that. And I think psychologically, the way that they test these guys, there's certain things that we'll never get to hear about in a public forum. But we know, you know, you see the tug of war stuff. I know that in my days back at Rutgers, as I've I don't know if I've referenced this before, but at these winter workouts, they would have the speaker system in the indoor practice facility as loud as it possibly could blaring, take me home country roads at like 5 a.m. This was the offseason after West Virginia beat, beat Rutgers, who I was with at the time, in, in three overtimes down in Morgantown. And so this is what's happening just a couple months later on those early February mornings. It's a lot of mind games and so much physical. And I think it's really interesting because these coaching staff right now is trying to push a lot of buttons. And a lot of that is, is, is you know, the, the stuff that makes guys puke, the, 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 the cardio of it, the, the strength and conditioning components of it. But, Daniel, I think what maybe gets overlooked is we're so caught up by the physical testing as we talk about the NFL combine and how guys are developing you know, during the offseason. I think a lot of it is about how is the mental makeup different for a guy who's maybe now 21 years old, year three on campus, kind of needs to step to the plate. This is a time where you can kind of gauge whether he's truly ready for that. And it can be a bit of a harbinger for things to come once you get on that spring practice field. Yeah, I, I think uh, an example of that was uh, when we had the second year player media day earlier this month, I was talking to Alex Birchmeyer um, about going through this year and uh, he said that there was you know, one point where uh, I think he said James Franklin was riding him a little bit in a workout. And then Franklin called him out to do um, I forget what exact what exactly it was, uh, if it was a one on one rep or, or something like that. Um, and Birchmeyer rose to the challenge, won his rep, achieved it. And he said James Franklin was kind of like, OK, like, you know, we I, I see you and, you know, we. I've acknowledged your, your your growth a little bit, your your achievement there. Um, so I, I think that this is kind of 
um, you know, that, that mental side is just huge right now that, that you're seeing how these guys are approaching things. Um, you know, what's different, the second, third, fourth, I think maybe there's guys doing this for the fifth time, uh, at, at this point. Uh, so you, you just kind of get the, the holistic look, um, at, at this program, what's kind of happening behind the scenes, what's making it tick. Um, and I think as you go through spring ball, summer, and then fall camp, I think that you can kind of you you know more the type of team you have based off of what you see now, so you can adjust your approach a little bit. All right, now that we've laid out the big picture scenario, you want to um, just totally uh, you know over uh, totally over exaggerate what we should make about each of these top competitor of the day awards. Now, granted, we're only through seven. Uh, they're going to have this eighth winter workout to wrap up this week. I I expect this week uh, to to finish things out before spring break, and so there'll be an eighth. But through seven winter workouts that have been documented, the great thing that the Penn State staff has done the last few off seasons has put out after each one of these workouts who their competitor of the day is. And so much like the MVP award, it's open for interpretation what exactly the competitor of the day means to people. Does it mean a guy who put in the most effort? Does it mean a guy who ran the fastest? Landon Tengwell was on the show last week discussing a whole set of things, but he kind of unsolicited went on a, a bit of a conversation with the winter workouts and trying to get to the bottom of, of what they do mean. And he says, it is the, the the athletes game. It is the athletes on this roster excel, and they, typically the guys who are excelling in the physical components of this stuff uh, are, are the ones who are going to be named the competitors of the day. And so at quarterback, Bo Prabula has been the one who's picked four out of seven occasions. Uh, I think there's been quite a bit of conversation about this. Nobody on this Penn State roster has been picked as the competitor of the day in their position room more than Bo Prabula. We will acknowledge that there's fewer quarterbacks available than, than there are players at many positions. But, Daniel, this is kind of on par with what we saw from Bo Prabula this time last year when everyone was, including us, were assuming Drew Aller was going to step up and be the starting quarterback. And, of course, he ultimately did. You saw people saying, oh, wow, Bo's winning all these uh, player competitor of the days. Same deal now. And I think a couple of things here. One, uh, Landon Tengwall, let's go back to him because he's got a quote that I think we should all just acknowledge and probably pin to this topic. He said, quote, please don't panic about Aller. Uh, Bo is extremely athletic, and I'm excited to see what we do with Bo, but that's Bo's game. The winter workouts are his game. It's strength. It's speed. That's where he's going to win. And we always talked about it at the Elite 11 events when they're doing some of that combine-like testing before you throw in the footballs. That's where Bo Perbula is going to tip the scales in his favor. When they start throwing the footballs and you start measuring uh, the, the pretty, the, how, how pretty the spiral is down the field, at least at the high school level, and I know they've both progressed in their own ways, that was always going to be where Drew Aller had a significant edge. So, Daniel, what do you make of this? Daniel O'Brien's the one calling the shots in the quarterback room. He's got the quarterback's coach title now. He's still officially a graduate assistant. But he's the one making these picks. Uh, Drew Aller has popped up once as a pick. And so has Ethan Gronkemeyer. So has Jackson Smolik. So it's been the Bo Perbula show. And I guess we should anticipate that this athletic specimen is going to be on display in some regard for Andy Kotelnicki, who has been pointed to as someone who's going to maximize what he has in front of him. Yeah, I think that there's a couple things that you can talk about with this. I mean, I think the first one that I would go to is I think overall with these winter workouts, I think that it's less about who you're not seeing and it's more about who you actually are seeing because we've seen it at a couple positions where it's like you know running back like oh where's Katron Allen 
um, you know, wide receiver, like no Keandre Lambert Smith yet. Like, I think you could go through any position and pick someone and be like, and there's oh, something else in play. Just, I might as well put this out there early. Remember last year when it was like, wow, Khalil Dickens is winning every single competitor of the day award at tight end. Well, lo and behold, Tyler Warren, Theo Johnson are recovering from some offseason work. Uh, they weren't even available for spring practice. So there's also some gray area in who's actually participating on a day-to-day basis here because of medical stuff. That's a great caveat. But yeah, I just think it's more about who you are seeing than who you're not seeing. I think that that's kind of the the better way to look at it. Um, with Pervula, you go back two years ago uh, and our, our first time talking to Chuck Losey uh, after Max Out Day, after Pervula and Aller went through their first uh, winter workouts and you know, Chuck Losey kind of laid it out there that Bo Perbula had a pretty extensive strength training background uh, and that this was something that he was really going to to gravitate to. You know, Aller didn't necessarily have that background and he's also a, a different sort of athlete back there. Um, so, you know, I think that's something that I've always had in the back of my mind. And then last year I went back and looked and Perbula was the the pick for six out of the eight uh, winter workouts. So, you know, I'd yeah, I was kind of surprised to see that, you know, level of conversation pop up again. Um, you know, even if you frame it in the, well, I'm just asking questions thing, you know, it's kind of, kind of lazy to think about, you know, what we've, you know, given what we know and everything. But, you know, I think with Prabula, I mean, I think that he is a really, really intriguing piece as you move forward with Andy Kotelnicki. We saw Kotelnicki do things with multiple quarterbacks during his time at Kansas. Um, he is pretty creative. Uh, we saw the Prabula package at times uh, last season. Um, I think that, you know, we didn't necessarily see it in some of the spots that we might, but you saw what Prabula was able to do as a runner. Um, you know, we saw a little bit what he was able to do as a passer. Yeah, I think that he's someone who has a skill set that Penn State can utilize in some way. And I think that under Andy Kotelnicki, you know, I think it'll probably be a little bit better utilized than it was under Mike Yersich. So, uh, you know, I think that this spring, you know, if Prabula keeps, you know, stacking days like this, I, I think that that bodes well for him uh, and his athleticism and, you know, his, his tools that Penn State can really use. Yeah, he had uh, four touchdowns throwing last year, another six uh, rushing as well without turnovers. And and, and we'll see how Pope Vula is involved moving forward. We've heard a lot of good things about how he may mesh with what Andy Kotelnicki wants to do in this offensive system. Of course, Drew Aller's got the keys to the kingdom right now on the offensive end as QB1, but a a lot to like about the top of that quarterback depth chart. Uh, We'll work our way through running back a bit quick here. Nick Singleton, uh, three nods from, uh, from his position coach. Uh, so I, I think that no surprise to see him taking on uh, at the forefront there, year three, um, someone who has always been kind of that quiet lead by example type leader. We've heard about vocal component of, of, of his leadership arsenal, maybe taking a step up last year. I think that's more imperative now. But the thing that pops out here is a couple back to backers in February for Quentin Martin at the freshman at the freshman uh position uh, at the running back position at, at in the freshman class and he's somebody that you and I when we worked our way through the offensive depth chart Daniel had mentioned with Trey Potts moving on that running back three job is open Cam Wallace was actually the, the initial uh one of the initial uh workout uh, competitor of the days this February and you've got Landon, uh, London Montgomery with him as redshirt freshman but Quentin Martin could certainly you know, charge ahead of those guys over the course of these next several months and become the next man up between Nick Singleton and Catron Allen, which 
bodes significantly for this offense in 2024. But as you might imagine, with Singleton and Allen being third-year players at that particular position, if things go well, they're not back in 2025. So whoever is there when the dust settles and has a little bit of that experience and maybe was the RB3 is going to be viewed as that leader in the clubhouse. I know that Jalen Sider really approaches his room in such a competitive way that he doesn't want these guys thinking about next year or you know when their turn comes. He wants them to go ahead and take their turn uh, and and be assertive and, and be competitive with it. Um, and so, you know, I think that with Quentin Martin, you know, I think that this is a, a really great start for him. You know, that number three running back job is open, whether it's Wallace, Montgomery um, or Martin. Uh, Corey Smith also arrives later this year. Uh, I, I think that Penn State is going to be able to do some really, re- really creative things there. Um, and, that, and I think with Quentin Martin, his physical development was going to be interesting to follow no matter what. Um, given what he did at Bell Vernon as a pass catcher, lining up wide, uh, playing on both sides of the ball. So, you know, we'll see when spring ball ends, you know, does he kind of maybe look a little bit more like a running back? How has he changed? And, you know, that, that starts now. And I think what, when we kind of work our way through, you know, through this group, I wanted to make sure I mentioned Quentin Martin because he's the only newcomer to this roster who's been selected multiple times as the top competitor of the day, unless I got that wrong. And if I do, feel free to correct me. But I think that's accurate, certainly in that freshman class. And uh, when, when you kind of look among who has gotten the, the most nods from their position coach overall, the only one who matches Bo Perbula, Daniel, as we kind of look around and we could go position by position, but most of them are kind of a, a, you know, just a mix of, of guys who got one or two. I think receiver's a good example. You saw Amari Evans pop up with multiple picks, but uh, guys like Malik Mega, Liam Clifford, Julian Fleming, the newcomer, also getting that. And that was kind of standard for most rooms. But when you see guys racking up three, four of these picks, you start to pay attention. Zariah Fisher has four of them, just like Bo Perbula. And at defensive end, I mean, this is an area, and, and and actually this is defensive line, Daniel, which makes it far more impressive. You didn't lose a scholarship defensive tackle from your class last year. Even with losing two draft picks at defensive end, we like what they bring back at the edge rusher position. And so you throw all that there, and this guy's taking it more than 50% of the time through seven workouts from Dion Barnes. This is a big deal, and I, I think it's just a huge sign that Zariah Fisher now, you know, nearing two full years removed from an injury that kept him out for nearly the entire 2022 season is really ready to roll as a year five player. He's a guy who started his career at linebacker. And I think there's a lot to like about him. Forget if he's starting or not. He probably he probably won't based on what we think will happen at that room. But it doesn't really matter at the defensive end spot because of the way they're going to roll guys in there. Yeah, it's kind of funny uh, talking about how you know, don't put too, too much stock in these workouts and everything. And then, you know, I see Zariah Fisher's name pop up four times and I'm immediately kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm putting a lot of stock into that. But I think that it, it mostly has to do with, you know, Zariah Fisher's career path. I, I think that you know, he lost time to that injury. He also, I don't know if lost time is the, the right way to put it, but he did have a position change earlier in his career and that that resets your clock a little bit that you know is a big adjustment to make uh you know over the course of an off season so then you couple that with an injury um and so i think that now you're seeing someone who is kind of you know, maybe peaking at the right time going into his fifth year um I, I think that you know in kind of his limited time last year i liked what i saw from him uh, off the edge 
Um, I think he's listed up over 260 pounds now. So that's some, I think, pretty interesting physical development, especially when you consider that uh, Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson were a little bit on the lighter side at times in their careers. And we know that James Franklin has talked about wanting to get bigger uh, on the defensive line before. So I, I think I'm very intrigued with Zariah Fisher going into this year. You know, even though you're moving Abdul Carter to defensive end, um, even though you have denied Dennis Sutton back, Amin Vanover, Jameel Lyons, I think you have a really solid top six there. Um, and you know, we'll see if one of the younger guys can break into it. But I think Zariah Fisher is very well positioned to kind of clinch a spot in that top three you know, where you see, I think, the most rotation happen. When, when we look at, at who else kind of was, it was a multi-pick here, three selections for Nick Dawkins in these winter workouts. And uh, that's really walking the walk for a guy who's going to talk the talk. And and that's what he's done all his career. That's where a lot of the, the teammates have told us his strengths are. That's why where the coaching staff has told us his strengths are. Uh, I believe Caden uh, Wallace on this podcast in January referred to him as a gatherer of men. Well, this is the exact kind of setting where a gatherer of men can rise to the occasion and motivate younger pieces of the roster, even some of his more experienced peers. And Nick Dawkins is still has a, a path laid out for himself to go and win this starting center job. He's going to have competition for it. But I think it's a really good signal for the, the health of the culture in this offensive line room. I don't think there was a lot of a question in that. You, you lost Olu Fashner, you lost Caden Wallace, you lost Hunter Norzad. But what Phil Troutwine has done so well is getting a lot of guys involved in game action. So even some of the guys who haven't racked up the starts, like Avengo Ioane and, and some of these younger offensive tackles, they're feeling pretty confident in their own right because they have gotten out there, whether it's for the second half of some of the lopsided scores or on a rotational basis. And, and they're adding more com competition to that room through their freshman class, through the transfer class. And I just think there's a lot to like about, about where things are in the room. And they have a fortifying figure in Nick Dawkins. Yeah, I think that you talk about walking the wall, kind of backing up, um, you know, the what we know he can be as a leader with performance on the field. I think that you add the the layer on it that he's competing for that center job where you're really in the middle of everything. You know, you're in charge of a lot of stuff on that offensive line, a lot of stuff for the offense. I, I think that this is kind of a, you know, the, maybe the pieces coming together uh, a little bit for Nick Dawkins uh, to be able to have a, a pretty big impact this year to get a lot of playing time. So he's another person that you go going into spring ball, thinking about position battles, thinking about guys that weren't in the starting lineup last year and who didn't necessarily play a lot. You know, it's not like he was in that, you know, three man guard rotation. Um, who has the chance to take a really big step up. I mean, I think Dawkins is really close to the top of that list. Uh, another three-time pick, uh, along with Nick Singleton and some of the other guys we just mentioned, Cam Miller, you know, uh, kind of one of those obvious risers, a guy you can say coming out of last season, well, he's somebody who needs to step up. That's all well and good to, to write about and to talk about the first week of January, second week of January, coming off of a bowl game when a guy's needed out of position that lost three starting caliber players. But – as usual, we're seeing Cam Miller show up uh, in, in kind of the, the quieter moments of the calendar. That's what he's been described as, a guy who does the quiet work away from the spotlight that stacks up and makes him one of the more prepared competitors on the field for this program. We were hearing about that you know, last summer before his sophomore season. 
Now he's a junior. I think he's going to be a really important kind of linchpin piece of what they want to be from a leadership perspective in that defensive secondary. And Ken Miller is going to put in the energy and effort. He's about his business. He's a guy that could really take off this year. And he's going to need to if this defense wants to maintain its high caliber of play. When you talk about doing the the work in the quiet moments, uh, yeah, I mean, Cam Miller was someone who kind of didn't really have a choice but to do that. When you think about what was in this cornerback room, you know, when he was a, a freshman, you had Joey Porter Jr. there. Last year, you had Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy. Um, you know, they did their best to rotate in Cam Miller, but over the course of the season, you saw Daquan Hardy get more time on the outside. Uh, in reps that might have maybe gone to Cam Miller, uh, you know, earlier in the season or, you know, as a, when he was a freshman. So uh, I think that it's kind of what you want to see um, uh, from a player like Cam Miller. I mean, I think he's going to be really important this year. And I think that Penn State did a nice job of kind of uh, re-upping the competition in that room. I, I know that that's one of the the core philosophies that we always hear from James Franklin, but this is a really, really good example of of kind of seeing it where you put in AJ Harris and Jalen Kimber to the, to the room. And, you know, suddenly if you're just kind of moving pieces around, it would make sense just to automatically elevate Cam Miller. You know, that's not necessarily the case right now. He has to go out and show it. So I, I like what they've done with the cornerback room. And I like that kind of seems like no matter what's been ahead of him at the depth chart, no matter what's been right behind him on the depth chart, Cam Miller has kind of always been there. Sophomore Elliott Washington got a couple selections from, from position coach Terry, Terry Smith at cornerback, too. Uh, we saw KJ Winston, Zaki Wheatley, and Lamont Payne, a newcomer at the safety position, all get multiple picks at the safety spot. But the only other three-time selection here, maybe a bit of a surprise because he's not a name that we've been talking about very seriously in terms of on-field roles come Saturdays in 2024, but redshirt freshman tight end Joey Schlafer. We talked about his development on a recent podcast going from about 210 pounds upon enrollment last year in January after early high school graduation. Now he's you know approaching 235 to 240 pounds as he gets ready to suit up for spring ball. I know he has ambitions to be bigger than that by the time they get into preseason camp. Uh, he's been talking about milkshakes. He's been talking about burritos. But we're talking about him getting it done in the winter workout setting. Ty Howell has turned his attention to Joey three times in these seven workouts. It's a loaded room. A lot of blue chip talent there. Uh, I know that Luke Reynolds recently popped up with the pick as well, which is nice to see from the freshman. I, I just double checked though. Quentin Martin's the only program newcomer to get picked multiple times, but something's brewing with Joey Schlafer. We got to pay some attention here. He's still got the physical progression. He's, he's trailing a lot of these tight ends by 15 to 25 pounds, but we knew what kind of a force he could be as a pass catcher at the high school level. He brought some speed to that game, a vertical element to the tight end spot. Uh, but it was about stacking on the pounds to be able to handle his ability as a blocker, as a full-fledged tight end in Big Ten play, and seems to be taking the right steps early in year two. Schlafer is someone who came in and really, really needed to to change his body and, and needed to physically develop. And I think that you're starting to to see that he's putting the work in and that uh, you know he's seeing the results. I mean, we've seen his weight go up uh, whenever they update the roster and I think this is kind of the acknowledgement from Ty Howell from the program that, you know, this work really is happening behind the scenes that you know, Schlafer is really putting himself uh, into this and, and really getting something out of it too. Um, you, know, you talk about the the blue chip talent in the room. Um, I don't have the rankings in front of me, but I think Schlafer was, you know, maybe if you go off of our, our 24 seven sports ratings, he was 
might be the lowest rated tight end uh, in that group from from his recruiting cycle. And I, I think that he did a lot of different things. Uh, you know, in in high school, he played some college football or not college football. He played some quarterback. Um, you know, near the end, and so you knew that coming in there was going to be a an adjustment period for him. I mean, you know, we talk about what seeing Andrew Rappelier was like <laughs> when when he arrived on campus. A little bit of a different story for Schlafer, um, but. I think that he's kind of been a poster child for putting in that work behind the scenes and putting yourself in a position to, you know, get the attention of your coaches, get the attention of the staff, and then maybe put yourself in a bigger position to contribute a little later on. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Daniel, we've got about 10 minutes before Tyler Calvaruso comes on and and takes us home with some recruiting coverage. But uh, let's get into some storylines on the defensive depth chart. It's an area of the field, and we'll look at both sides of the ball uh, from a larger perspective when we come back after spring break and really get into spring practices because they're back on the field. We'll have a lot to discuss then about both sides of the ball. But let's just go position by position uh, and work our way through some stuff. And and starting at defensive end, uh, you're losing two guys that are showcasing their skills at Indy right now at the NFL Scouting Combine and Adiza Isaac and Chop Robinson, all Big Ten caliber players. But you look at the group and, and you look who may be slotted atop that depth chart, you got a recent five-star pickup and deny Dennis Sutton, who has largely looked the part on campus and has really responded to a lot of opportunities the way you'd hope. Started a few games last year with Chop Robinson sideline. And then you also have Abdul Carter suddenly in that mix at defensive end. I know they're fired up about him. I spoke with Smith Vilbert on Tuesday, and he brought it up to me. He said, hey, we got Abdul Carter in this room now, and we all know that. 
two-time All Big Ten uh, linebacker, a guy who's got All American uh, caliber talent. We'll see what he does on the edge and what it could mean for his NFL draft stock as well. But you work your way through Zariah Fisher and Amin Vanover in year five, uh, Jameel Lyons, a rising up-and-coming talent as a sophomore, uh, and and I don't want to forget the guy I just mentioned in Smith Vilbert, somebody that is back in the mix, says he's in the mix at both defensive end and defensive tackle, but he's cleared to play in spring ball. He was out with an injury all last year. The injury actually occurred the day before spring practices in 2023, Smith told me during a conversation this week. Um, so he has a lot to come back from. Remember, he wasn't involved in regular season games in 2022 because of an undisclosed situation. He was on the scout team. He was a, a developmental a player of the year candidate on the scout team, but he only played a few snaps in that Rose Bowl. So there's a lot to work with there for Dion Barnes. And, and I want to throw Jalen Harvey's name in the mix because he's suddenly up to 265 pounds. Uh, the freshman defensive end who came to campus was one of the more coveted defenders on their target board in the 2024 cycle up from Maryland. They call him Baby Chop growing up in the same area as Chop in the Quince Orchard program. And he's already wearing number 44 like Robinson did here on campus. Yeah, I think you look at this defensive end room and it's a ton of different puzzle pieces and yeah. you're kind of curious of how they'll fit together. Um, yeah, I think Abdul Carter is kind of the, um, you know, the linchpin in terms of what this group is going to look like, you know, how he takes to that defensive end position, what that looks like. Um, I, I think you kind of go from there. I mean, I think we sort of know or we can kind of expect what we're going to get from Deny Dennis Sutton. Um, I think that he's someone where you can kind of, uh, you know, you extrapolate it out, you know, his production earlier in his career, and then you look at he'll have more playing time this year. And I think that you can kind of, I think it's a logical jump to make uh, with an increase from him. But I think that you know, what Abdul Carter does um, is going to be interesting because that'll kind of determine, uh, you know, what else happens for Amin Vanover, Zariah Fisher, Jameel Lyons. Um, I, I thought that the way that they managed it last year with a, uh, you know, pretty steady five-man rotation and then mixing in Lions as the sixth. I thought it worked really well for them. Um, and so I think that you have a, you know, you have a really nice top six this year. And the guy who might be that number six, Jamil Lyons, is going to be poised for an even bigger role. So I think that you're really going to be able to rotate these guys, keep them fresh. But I really want to see what Abdul Carter is able to do there. And I know he's got a lot to prove, but let's let's figure out what's going on with Smith Vilbert. Yeah, uh, because this is a six foot six, 284 pound prospect, the guy who was more of a basketball type body, basketball type athlete at the high school level. He's in year six. He is really bought in despite what has happened. And as I said, could factor in defensive tackle, could factor in defensive end, but he's showing back up on the practice field and he's encountering a tremendous amount of competition. We just covered what's happening at defensive end. Defensive tackle does not lose a scholarship athlete from the 2023 roster. Devon Ellis and Hakeem Beeman both opt in for their six years with that COVID eligibility. Got guys like Jordan Vandenberg, uh, Kaziah Izzard, who played a, a lot of Big Ten football. Izzard started a bunch of games a couple years back. And then you've got this group of, of, of guys who've been around for a little bit now or maybe a longer bit at this stage, like Devon Townley, Caleb Artis, uh, Ty Blanding. Alonzo Ford is working his way back from an injury. Remember, he transferred in from Old Dominion last year after starting multiple seasons down there for Ricky Ronnie's program. And then, oh, by the way, this is one of the more intriguing components of their freshman class, Daniel. It's a four-man class at defensive tackle with Liam Andrews, Xavier Gilliam, T.A. Cunningham, and DeAndre Cook in, in all their different ways. In Cunningham's case, shedding some weight. 
In the case of a guy like uh, DeAndre Cook, packing on pounds, uh, Xavier Gilliam has put on some significant weight. Uh, there is a lot to like about that freshman defensive tackle class. you got to be bought in on competition, and you got to be bought in on Deion Barnes if you're in that group because in the current state of college football, I can understand why you might want to maybe look out the window and see some other defensive tackle depth charts where you can't name like 10 names like this and feel like they all could potentially be in play come September. Yeah, I think the one thing that stands out to me in this group is kind of who's going to be the f- number five. <laughs> I think you look at Durant, Izzard, Ellie's, and, and Beeman, um, you know, you kind of know what you have in those guys. They've played a ton of football for you. Um, they're, they're very experienced. And so, you know, can someone like Caleb Artis, Ty Blanding, Davon Townley, Vandenberg, Ford, one of the freshmen, can can you get a pretty big leap out of one of those guys, um, you know, to be an impact player, to add something different? Uh, I think that's going to be something that we'll be really curious to see. I mean, I think that, you know, Townley has always kind of intrigued me, you know, making that move from defensive end to defensive tackle, given how big he is, the length he has. Um, I think that, you know, if he were to reach kind of the the ceiling that's out there for him, it could be a really, really intriguing player. But, you know, for the, some of these guys, they've been around for a couple of years. You know, this is kind of a you know, really chance for them to find a role. Like Caleb Artis has a different body type than most of the other guys in the room. You know, can he give them a reason to use that in certain situations? I think that's something I have my eye on there. I'm looking at this is a big spring for Townley. This is a guy they signed at like six foot six, 215, 220 pounds, another kind of basketball body out of Minneapolis. I believe he signed with them sight on scene, never made it to campus because it was the COVID year. And now here he is. He's went to the transfer portal. He came out of the transfer portal. He transitioned to defensive tackle. He's now 6'6", 280, completely different body than it was. But he's suddenly a redshirt junior. And 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 some of the kind of, you know, the the, the guys that we've talked about as being those younger intriguing components now you're trying to figure out well how are they getting passed by younger pieces where do they fit in this and really important 15 practice period for guys like townley to figure out where they fit in moving forward um daniel over at linebacker we've obviously got a lot to learn about what tom allen wants to implement defensively we talked about some of the positional traits that he utilized in indiana where you've got a bit of a hybrid spot with more of a safety type body there that's not all that foreign to what we've seen from penn state football we've seen uh, converted safeties play linebacker. We've seen safeties come up in the box. You've seen a guy with some some defensive back traits that they liked in Curtis Jacobs, who played that Sam linebacker position for multiple years. But right now, I, I think they're if you're Tom Allen, you're just trying to figure out who your best two or three to make sure you get the feeding snaps to. And I'm really curious about Kobe King because I think he finished on a real high note last year in the middle linebacker spot, showed why he earned it in preseason camp. And then you've got a, st- a starting caliber player, I-, I think, in Tony Rojas already as a sophomore. Now, that might be a big statement because he hasn't played 40 snaps in a game on a repeat basis. But everything you hear about this guy, where he is physically, the way he's understanding the defense, certainly fits the bill. A younger player like Kavion Keys, a redshirt sophomore in year two, sounds like he is ready to play. And then don't discount Dom DeLuca. People have been doing that for a long time. They had a hard time taking him off the field at times last year. He was really important in that spot with Curtis Jacobs out at times. And I think you could see him play a bit significant role uh, once again. But uh, look, I, I think that this is a spot where with Abdul Carter out of the mix, it gets a little dicier in terms of known commodities. But 
they've recruited really well. Manny Diaz brought in a hell of a class last year. Tamir Robinson's another of those second year players. You've got a, a, an older guy who has starting experience in Tyler Elsden. And then Kari Jackson's the one freshman who's on campus right now. He's recovering from an injury uh, last year. He told me he was expecting to practice this spring, but we'll see where he's at. All things considered, it's a lot of kind of not unfinished products for Tom Allen to inherit and work with. And we got to figure out what he sees in terms of his defensive structure fits. I think when you look at this group, the the door is open for a lot of these guys uh, in terms of opportunity. And I think it kind of turns into a question of who is going to walk through it. I think that you can, I think you can put Kobe King in there. You think you can pencil him in as that Mike. I, I know that, yeah. I, I think he's going to be a big piece of that defense and then kind of just turns into what's going to happen on either side of him. Yeah. You know, Rojas people are, are very high on, and I think there's good reason for excitement there. You know, we've we've seen what DeLuca can do with his opportunities. Tamia Robinson is a little bit more of a of a mystery, but physically, I think that he could be really imposing there at that second level. Kavion Keys was a D squad player of the year last year. Even Keon Wiley, uh, I thought flashed mm. at times. Thank I thought, you for mentioning him. I should have I should have myself. <laughs> yeah, I think that you know, given what was in that. 2022 class i think that he really flew under the radar we know that he had to do some real physical development i think he was like 200 205 when he came in um out of imhotep so he's really put in the work and i think that he's someone too that it you know he's not going to go down without a fight he's he wants to compete he wants to put himself in a place to contribute so it's kind of a you've kind of put them all in a in the box shake it up a little bit and then you know when you turn it over and you know, for, for the West Virginia game, it's kind of like, who's going to come out, but you did mention it. I think that with Tom Allen, it is going to be, I think the one variable that we still have to figure out uh, with some of the step chart stuff is, are there going to be those specialized like bull Husky positions? um, You know, that type of thing, because I think that can also uh, alter our, our projections a little bit too. I mentioned safeties converted to linebacker. We just saw that happen again with Tyrese Mills. It's a second go round in the linebacker room for the Nittany Lions, former junior college uh, safety prospect. Uh, we'll see what he brings uh, to that position. Well, there's also a few other guys that you wonder if if they call upon that safety spot, which is a pretty impressive position room to maybe lend a little bit more in the box or lend maybe more what you consider a linebacker role with that third spot, however you want to phrase that hybrid position. Um, does a guy like Jalen Reed come into play there? Does even a Dakari Nelson, we talked about how he just looks different, the striding out there on the field at six foot four and then whatever he weighs right now, he's just an impressive looking uh, you know, athlete out there. And you know, can you find ways to facilitate him? So some things to watch there. Speaking of the secondary, let's finish in that group. We'll look at it collectively before we turn it over to Tyler Calvaruso, Daniel. Um, Safety, you feel like really good about what you've got at the top of that depth chart. Jalen Reed, KJ Winston, I think they were both overlooked in, in, in all Big Ten voting last year. And part of that is because maybe they didn't log as many snaps as some of the other players over the course of the season. And part of it is because it was a really a shared stardom situation for that defense. But I think they're ready to take the next step as stars at, at the safety spot. Zaki Wheatley, you know, he, he's been around a while now at the safety spot. Uh, and, and I think he's a guy who kind of lock in as the next man up there. The conversation is who else is in in that spot. Lamont Payne has shown up and done some good things during the offseason, but he played cornerback last year. We got a lot to learn. King Mack is part of this conversation, not just at safety, but really expect to see him fill a lot of that slot nickel type role that we saw Daquan already excel at in recent years. 
And then you've got a couple of new safeties in town. Vabu Torre is here. He's a guy that they really love and the way he hits ball carriers and can handle himself near the line of scrimmage. So safety is is a healthy spot, much much like I would say defensive end. It's an area where it, it feels like who can go two, three deep. You've got the talent there, but it's clearly solidified with this pair at the top. And at cornerback, Daniel, I mean, you can go in a lot of different directions when you got to replace three guys who played about 1,500 total snaps and Hardy, King, and Dixon. Miller, we mentioned, you've got the additions in A.J. Harris and Jalen Kimber coming up from the ACC. Kimber was a starter last year for Florida. Harris was a five-star just a couple of years ago, signing with Georgia. And then you've got a couple of these younger ascending figures, guys who played a little bit more later in the year in the bowl game last year. Zion Tracy's a sophomore. Elliot Washington is a sophomore. And they really like the cornerback tandem they brought in with this freshman class up from Jacksonville and Antoine Belgrave Shorter and John Mitchell. So, Again, I'm throwing a lot of names your way there, Daniel. But I think the 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 summary of everything I just laid out is Terry Smith, Anthony Poindexter have done a hell of a job building for the now, building for the future. And it's why even as we see really high caliber NFL talent leave the facility, this is these aren't areas that we pointed to and say this is a clear problem for Penn State. I think when you look at cornerback, it's one of those situations where you you have the talent and you have the pieces. It's just a question of how exactly it shakes out. You know, you, replacing three starters isn't easy. <laughs> no, no matter how well you've recruited, no matter you know what what kind of program you're you're running. So, uh, I think that for you know Terry Smith, it's going to be really you know curious to see how exactly it shakes out. I mean, I think that we can kind of consider Cam Miller to be a front runner for one of those spots, but who else is going to step up? Who's going to, you know, rise, you know, know, rise out of that group. I think it's going to be one of the big storylines for spring. I think the talent is there. It's just a question of who steps up. Uh, And then at safety, you kind of have the the opposite where I think Jalen Reed and KJ Winston are really entrenched. Uh, You saw that and kind of how Penn state used the safeties down the stretch last year. So for me, it's a, the big question is who is going to be, you know, kind of the number three, you know, can Zachy Wheatley really make it a rotation? Can he find a role for himself? Can he kind of push the envelope to get out there? Uh, and then can someone like King Mack or Dakari Nelson, um, can they put themselves in a position that maybe we see a little bit more kind of format rotations like we saw two years ago um, before I think Reed and Winston really came into their own. So I, I think that you know, for the for the cornerbacks, you're looking more at the the top line, what's going to happen there. But safety, you're looking more at that second and third line and see how exactly is that going to to change things. And I know you've got some draft eligible type guys in the cornerbacks equation. Cam Miller's a junior. Uh, Jalen Kimber's. I, th- I think this is year four or five for him at the college level. But there's a situation here where you you find the right mix at cornerback. Most of that group is going to be back in 2025 if things go according to plan. It's a relatively younger group of second-year players. Throw Harris in that mix. Got freshmen involved. So it feels like if Terry Smith can push the right buttons, find the right stars, not only are you are you set up well in 2024, but you can really build off that again with similar faces in 2025. Daniel, that's going to do it for this. Like as I said, when we come back from spring break, which I hope you enjoy a little time away from the podcast yourself, uh, we will dive into matters a bit more on both sides of the football. But appreciate you for talking winter workouts, a little defensive depth chart, and now we'll talk recruiting with Tyler. Thanks for having me, Tyler. All right, good stuff from Daniel. As always, let's bring on Mr. Calbaruso right now. Tyler, how are we doing today? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me back on. Glad we get one last uh, chance to talk recruiting before spring break starts. 
Yeah, I'm sure nothing will happen while I'm away uh, oh, for a week uh, on the recruiting trail. No, we'll certainly have to catch up with you when I do get back and we resume the podcast in that second week in March. But let's discuss for now what we've learned in the final days of February, which feels like it's been a lot. Uh, the headlines have been been coming at lines 24-7. A lot of those are about these official visits getting locked in. Uh, there's some in-state flair to what we're going to discuss there. Um, and why don't we begin with that in-state quarterback, Matt Zollers, a guy who's on the rise in national recruiting rankings in a significant way, has recruited an impressive offer sheet. We saw him last year. Old Dominion offered him at a seven-on-seven tournament, and that felt like a pretty big deal. They've been a bit buried on that offer sheet since then. Where are we with Zollers, and where do we stand on a potential timeline for where he's going to take this thing? I think he's getting a little bit closer. You know, I think his spring visits to his top four schools, which is Penn State, Georgia, Pitt, and Missouri, I think those could go a long way in wrapping this one up sooner rather than later. When you look at Zoller's top four and you evaluate the state of each school and where it stands with Zoller's, you know, Penn State has been there with him for a really long time now. You know, it feels like yesterday that we were watching Zoller's throw up that seven on seven during the summer, but here we are in February, it's about to be March, and he has emerged as Penn State's top quarterback target, one of their top overall remaining targets. Staff wants to get this one done. Andy Kotelnicki has been pushing hard. You know, those two have developed a pretty solid relationship over the last few months since Kotelnicki arrived in town. The one I'm keeping an eye on right now, and, you know, if Georgia wasn't so involved with Julian Lewis, I think there's a chance that Zollers is the top target on that Georgia quarterback board. But Missouri, man, Missouri has emerged as a real wild card here with Zollers, you know, he made it to Mizzou for a visit before the beginning of the dead period went well. And you got to keep in mind, you know, Missouri is one of those programs that is sneaky deep pockets on the NIL front, how that factors into this recruitment. I'm not quite sure, you know, I'm not quite sure what exactly Mizzou has pitched to Zollers on that front, but it's definitely an element of Missouri's involvement with him. So it's a tight battle, but Penn State, this is a guy Penn State really, really wants, and they would love to keep him home. Been a heck of a rise uh, for Zollers, yeah. the kind of rise that we we don't see often on the Pennsylvania high school recruiting scene at the quarterback position. So congratulations to him. He's got a lot of opportunities in front of him right now. Penn State heavily involved. While we're on the subject, though, uh, 2025 Penn State quarterback commit Beckham Kritza is, is relocating. He's going back yeah. to Miami Central, which I think a lot of people realize is one of those powerhouse programs. A lot of NFL talent, a lot of Power Five talent coming out of Miami Central. Um, he was been there before. He's moved around a bunch. He's been in Southern California. He resettled where he kind of started his high school career in Colorado as a as a as a junior last fall. Had a pretty productive season there. Went to the playoffs. Now he's back in Miami Central. I know there's been some some family health uh, matters involved with his relocation and stuff. But can you talk us through what this means for Kritza and and what you think ultimately might mean for him as a prospect? It's probably the best thing for his development. I mean, but Miami Central, you're just going to play a stronger schedule. You know, that's just the nature of it. Miami Central is one of the best programs in Florida. They get out and they play national programs. You know, when he was a junior, while he was still at Miami Central, Kritza, he took some snaps against Bishop Gorman out in Vegas. So, you know, that speaks to the schedule they play. He's going to be playing with a higher level of player at Miami Central. I mean, that's not a knock on his Colorado program. It's just kind of the fact of the matter. He's going to be teaming up with guys like Nation Montgomery, who's a receiver target, where he has a Penn State official visit locked in. Mm -hmm. And just so many guys who are going to wind up playing power conference football. You know, so many guys who are either Miami leans or Florida State leans or just I think everyone gets the point of the level of talent at Miami Central when you look at that roster. So I think it could only help his development. And I think that Andrew Ivins made this point when he watched Kritz at the Battle 7-on-7. 7 7. 
in Miami. He's a guy who's really just going to benefit from the most snaps he could possibly get throughout his high school career as he inches closer to playing in college. Cause you know, he was a backup for his sophomore year. His junior season was essentially an abbreviated season because he wasn't cleared to, to play after returning to Colorado. I believe it was week six he was cleared to play. So we didn't get a full slate. So he hasn't taken as many snaps as a lot of the quarterbacks in his class. Yeah. So I think it's pivotal that he's going to be going to not only a really good program, but he's going to be able to take a lot of snaps against high-level competition. And I think you're going to really start to see what Beckham Kurtz is really capable of. And for, for me, I think he's getting thrown in the frying pan. If you're the starting quarterback for yeah. Miami Central High School, the expectations are very high for what you were going to accomplish, especially if you're coming in as a Penn State commit already. But what that team is going to accomplish, and there is a lot at stake week in, week out if you're on that Miami Central squad. So yeah. really curious to see because it, it, it's going to be a lot different than what he experienced last year at, at a public school uh, outside Boulder, Colorado. Um, going over to or coming back to the in-state conversation, Andrew Olish is another guy who, like Zollers, has really just skyrocketed in terms of his recruiting stock. Penn State is among many to offer the Pennsylvania tight end, and he's starting to – you know, come up with a, a formulate a plan for how he's going to attack this thing. Cause he's got a lot to digest in a pretty short period of time. Yeah. He's going to be back at Penn state for a visit on April 4th. And you know, really Penn state is in a good spot here. You know, it's done enough to put itself in a good spot. Excuse me. When he got that offer January 20th, while he was on campus for a junior day, you know, there was a thought that maybe this one might be a quick commitment for the Indy Lions, but Olish's stock has been on the rise. He's held out a bunch of high-quality offers have come in. I mean, he's inching closer to 30 at this point. I believe he's at either 24 or 25. You know, we're talking to Olish. I, while Penn State is in a good spot, there's a lot of the SEC and Southern appeal in his recruitment. Florida, Ole Miss, he told me he's very interested in Missouri. Alabama just offered him. He's already locked in a visit with the Crimson Tide. Brian Gone just reported this morning that he locked in a visit to Auburn. So there is a lot of SEC appeal here i just think he's a big fan of the conference the competition level down south and at miami you know obviously not an sec program but another acc program southern school that's involved with Polish. so i think that he's very open right now i think that spring visit schedule will lead him to form his official visit schedule based on his experiences and again penn state yeah they've done a lot of good things with him but he's pretty open there's still a long way to go in this one and that's an area where Penn State has been recruiting very successfully at a national clip at the tight end spot. They've got a lot of irons in the fire, you might say, guys in Georgia, guys in the Midwest, and of course, a guy here in the neighborhood in Pennsylvania in Olesh. Um, before we get to a couple of safety targets who have locked in their next trips to Happy Valley, I wanted to discuss a new offer that went out in New Jersey because we're at the time now where when new 2025 offers are going out, you start to pay a little bit more attention. Penn State's up to a dozen commitments. You're starting to see a little bit more clarity and in some case, a bit more confusion perhaps at certain positional target boards. A lot of that will get cleared up over the course of the spring when commitments come through and official visits are scheduled and camps happen and the evaluations continue. But Jaden Lofton out of Somerville, New Jersey, scoops up a Penn State offer. What are the next steps for him and the Nittany Lions in that relationship, six foot four, 235 pounds. A lot to like about this kid. He's going to look to get back on campus during the spring. It's really going to come down to his uh, his parents' schedule, you know, when he can make it to State College. But he's going to be back in town. He visited for the first time during the fall. He attended that home finale against Rutgers. He was really impressed with the atmosphere that day. But his next visit is going to be more about the intricacies of the program, you know. What's the staff like interacting with their players? How do the players bond with each other? What's the overall message of the staff from Law 
Lofton's perspective. And he's still getting to know Deion Barnes a little bit better. You know, their relationship is still on the newer front as opposed to some of the other targets on Penn State's board. But it's definitely notable if this offer is going out now because it's something that me and you have touched on before that there's just really not a ton of top-end edge rusher talent in the region in 2025. There's a lot of it outside of the region, but in the Northeast, there's just really not an abundance of it this year. And some of the guys Penn State was involved with who are top-end edge rushers in the region, like Ari Watford, they're already off the board elsewhere. So I, I think anytime an offer like this goes out at this juncture, it's definitely, you know, you raise an eyebrow and you look deeper into it. And Lofton's a pretty solid player. You know, he's already got a West Virginia official visit locked in. He's looking to lock on in with Tennessee. Programs like Syracuse, Texas involved with the New Jersey native. So there's a lot to like about him. His film is quality. I think he's going to get back to town and really just evaluate Penn State on a more in-depth basis. And then he'll go from there with the Nanny Lions. And I look at that spot, at, you know, that edge rusher position, it feels like it's a, it's a bigger class than maybe they could use right now in the 2025 cycle because they were so interior heavy yes. with that defensive line class in 2024, which could prove to be a tremendous thing for their future at defensive tackle. And I even wonder about Jalen Harvey, who I know they think is an elite edge rusher type prospect. He's pushing 270 pounds right now, uh, you know, and, and he should be in high school still. So where does his body take him? So I'm really curious to see what they do with the edge rusher spot and, and not surprised to see new offer pop up. Um, over at safety, as I alluded to, a couple of top 25 prospects at the position heading to Penn State, Deshaun Stewart out of DePaul Catholic in New Jersey, and then Jadon Blair, who we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast, uh, out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Mount Tabor High School. Um where are these guys in the recruitment? Where is Penn State with figuring out what it wants and what it really intends to get from the safety class in 2025? Stewart's more of a corner for Penn State. I know okay. other schools are looking for him at safety, and he could definitely play the position at a power conference level. I've seen him in person. I think he definitely played the position at a high level. Penn State's more of a cornerback approach with him where he is solid. He had 19 pass breakups as a junior. You know, there are others who are, might be a little bit higher on the board at this point in the cycle. Penn State likes Stewart. You know, it's been involved with him for a while. The offer went out in August. He's been to town multiple times since then. So, you know, there's that relationship is still evolving. His place on the board is still evolving. We'll see where he's at when he gets to campus in June. But, I mean, he's going to be on in town the same weekend as his teammate, Desi Jones, you know, the DePaul Catholic wideout who's a top 24-7 prospect. And Mike Troutman's already on board as a DePaul standout in this Penn State class. So, Nittany Lions are doing a lot of work at the North Jersey program this cycle. And then with Blair, right now he's got three spring visits locked in. You know, he has the official visits locked in, all five of them. Tech on Virginia, Virginia Tech on April 12th. Then he's got that June official visit slate of South Carolina, Michigan, Notre Dame, and then Penn State to wrap things up. In the spring, he's going to be at Penn State first, March 15th. Going to make it to Michigan the following weekend. And then in April, he's going to be taking a trip to South Carolina ahead of his official visit with the Gamecocks. So really this is a recruitment where I I've consistently felt pretty good about Penn state standing. I still feel that way. I do think, and I know I've said this before, so this is kind of a reiteration. I do think the official visits are going to go a long way in determining how this one goes. I think that Blair has just taken his recruitment with such a detailed oriented approach. He wants to get the full experience of each school he is seriously considering. And that's what these official visits are going to allow him to do. But if it were, if I had to handicap it today, I'd probably give Penn State an edge over the field. But schools like South Carolina, Michigan, Notre Dame, you know, I guess Virginia Tech. Now I'm not quite sure where the Hokies stand with them. That's something I'm working to learn a little bit more about. But Penn State is right up there in that top group. 
Thank you for correcting me on, on Stewart's status on Penn State. He's versatile, man. He could play either, really. Well, the, and then that's what we talk about every year. A guy who's maybe rated as a cornerback, even plays high school level at the cornerback position, ends up at safety for Penn State or vice versa. We, we've seen it year in, year out. Lamont Payne's another example. Uh, yeah. But we're good intel there on a couple defensive back priorities for Penn State, getting the next visits in line. And then one more name we wanted to get to here, going all the way over uh, to Fort Bend Christian Academy in Sugarland, Texas. Max Granville, number 158 overall prospect in the country, uh, top 20 linebacker prospect in America, six foot two and a half, 220 pounds. He's a guy that has talked about liking Penn State and he's going to follow through. Yeah, I always like when Penn State gets this involved with a prospect from Texas because you, you got people thinking, oh, there's no chance that could happen. But then you see a recruitment play out like Nigel Smith's where Penn State is actually in real consideration until the end. And again, Penn State is hoping for a little bit better result here. Than it did with Nigel Smith, who wound up not committing to the Nittany Lions, wound up signing with Oklahoma. Granville's, he's one of the best edge rushers in this 2025 class. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the kick of play, his tape is really, really good. He's Deion Barnes' top guy at the position right now, regardless of geographical location. He is the top guy on the board for Penn State at edge. And he's targeting an official visit for that first weekend. I mean, it's May 31st to June 2nd. I'm not even quite sure what to call it. I'm not even sure if we could really call it the first weekend of June since it's not a full weekend. I don't know how that works. But, yeah, shout out to Colin Kennedy for this one. You know, our guy at the Oklahoma side, he helped lock down this official visit. And, you know, this is a big one for Penn State. Penn State's in a leadoff position with Granville. So, big opportunity for the staff to make a strong first impression that Granville carries with him throughout the rest of his official visits late. Oklahoma's in a good spot. Sooners with a crystal ball favorite. You know, there's a lot of schools in that region who really want to get Granville. But Penn State is making a pretty strong push here. I think the Nittany Lions are doing a lot of good work. When we first touched on Granville earlier in the month, maybe it was late last month, we talked about how imperative it was to get him on campus. And now it's happening. You watch the highlights and and he's – he's attacking off the edge, but there's also times where he's playing at the second level, dropping back. And yeah. I'd imagine there are a lot of conversations and discussions in power five recruiting offices about how he fits in defensive structure. Mm -hmm. Good to know where Dion Barnes stands on that conversation and where Penn state is uh, Granville coming to campus. As I said, when we're back from vacation. We will have Tyler Calvaruso for the lowdown, but you don't have to wait until then over at lines, 24, com. Follow the latest updates on Penn state football recruiting. There'll be a bunch of them as March gets underway, more visits get finalized. Appreciate the coverage, Tyler. Thanks for hopping on to this episode of the podcast. Talk to you real soon. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Enjoy your trip. Well-deserved. Thank you, sir. Take care. All right. Good stuff from my colleagues at Lions 24-7 and Tyler Calvaruso. And before him, Daniel Gallon. I, th I think this is the first time we're going to step aside for a week since a beach trip last summer. Um, we've had a lot of fun with you guys on a weekly basis. We'll, we'll recharge the batteries. We'll come back uh, stronger with, with some Exciting guests. I got to say that we have some good plans uh, for March and we got a lot to dive into with this football program and with these recruiting efforts as well. A lot more coming your way in the Lions 24-7 podcast in the month of March. A lot happening at Lions247.com, including tonight here on Thursday. Check out the site for coverage of our look at the Penn State Max Day, uh, the weight room session where we'll get a, a longer look at a lot of players on this team putting in the effort in that weight room. Look for a photo gallery, some coverage on some things that stood out as we learn more about these 2024 Nittany Lions. For, for now, stepping aside, heading on vacation, I am Tyler Donahue. This has been the Lions 24-7 Podcast. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone
one stronger. No. Ha! Tougher. No. Funnier. I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!